Welcome to Deja Recommends. This is our third recommendation podcast during isolation. And uh, we have uh, Alex Heath on the line. Oh, hi, hi. And we have our wonderful guest, one of our favorites, Brody Lancaster. Hello. Hey. So we should start off by, uh, I mean, um, Brody's already been feeling us in on um, her uh, hot water uh, issues, um, but that's that's uh, that, that'll be for the bonus episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, that's one for the true fans. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Patreon, but, uh, maybe when we set that up. But Brody, um, how is your sort of um, uh, your media and cultural intake been going during this uh this isolation has it been um you know is there stuff that just you can't watch or do like i, I know a lot of people are, are, um sorry uh, like al was saying you know narrative film and stuff was <laughs> becoming quite difficult and things like that and um mm. yeah what, what, and what's going on Mod made me feel a lot better about that honestly she was <laughs> like yeah I can't handle it anyway so yeah. <laughs> it made me feel I mean better. I haven't been consciously avoiding anything specific but um I did like the the week that um quarantine started I pressed play on season one episode one of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and about six weeks later, I emerged at the other end of season 10. So, um, and in that time, like I truly didn't watch anything else. Like friends were recommending me shows, new things came out. I haven't watched Tiger King, like all of the stuff that everyone was talking about just passed me by. I, um, I ended and then I watched the last dance um, the oh. only thing that I watched in the middle of, like, I didn't watch a movie. I texted a friend, mm. like, after, you remember at the start of all this when it was just the that, like, horrible dread feeling was just so <laughs> present. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, like, texted a friend pretty early on being like, I haven't watched a single movie or read a page of a book in, like, two weeks. Um, and that's all the kinds of things that I, in my imagination of just, like, all my life telling myself, I don't have enough time, but when I have free time, I'm going to do this. And then Mm. all I had was free time in my life and I was not doing the things that I thought I would. I mean, I've gotten a bit, I've read a few books now um, and I've got a few on the go. And um, at the, at the start of it, the only things besides Beverly Hills that I watched was Paddington one and two. Wow. Um, and one night I just sat down and I watched that little bear. Um, and I cried and I was like laughing and like really like reacting like a kid at the movies watching Paddington, I assume. Um, and then coincidentally, I watched, I did like, I was doing these like tri- Zoom trivia nights with some friends. Mm. And one of the questions that came up was, um, in what two films does Sally Hawkins meet a creature from South America? <laughs> and I was like, The Shape of Water and Paddington. And then for a second, I was like, is this a trick question? Is it Paddington 1 and 2? And I was like, no, she doesn't meet him in Paddington 2. They already know each other. So it turned out Brilliant. for the best. Yeah. Brilliant. 
I've heard a lot of adults really rate those movies, so you're very far from alone. I mm. keep yeah. meaning to see Paddington 2 because I've heard Paddington 2 is even better than Paddington uh, 1. It's a real Godfather scenario. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've heard exactly the same thing, and yeah. apparently it's um, Hugh Grant's sort of best performance oh. ever. And uh, He's yeah, really leaning looks- into the Hugh Grantiness of himself. <laughs> yeah. And we love it when he does it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So we've got some uh, recommendations for folks um, to, uh, yeah, just to um, take your mind off things. Um, I might even be cheeky and just sneak in with mine straight away um, and then we'll leave uh, leave what the people have actually, you know, signed up for um, you know, to last, <laughs> you know, it's a bit of, bit of sizzle. Um, but, uh, uh, as I, I always say, men first, men first. So off you go, Mike. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, I finally watched Barry Lyndon. Um, wow. which is, uh, the, yeah, the 1975, uh, Stanley Kubrick film. And, uh, as per our previous, uh, podcast, I can't seem to get away from Ryan O'Neill, but it was just one of those, it's one of those Kubrick movies that there's so many iconic films in his, you know, oeuvre. Um, and uh, this one just seems to be the one that, you know, is spoken of probably less um, uh, than than some of the big ones. But um, I absolutely loved it. Um, it was, it's, it's one of those films that... Um, the, uh, the the phrase every frame every frame a painting is uh, is kind of made for um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's I, I really didn't know much about it um, I'd kind of assumed it was this dry uh, you know period piece um, when it's actually just really funny and you know it's three hours it's a it's a big investment but it um, it it really is just um, it clicks along there's so much yeah there's so much in there it's uh, obviously there's you know a, a lot of um, history about the production of the film and the natural lighting and kind of classic Kubrick stuff but um, I uh, I just thought it was just thought it was brilliant all, all I would suggest is um, try and find the best copy possible um, uh, it's not sort of had a full 4k restoration yet but try and find the best one that you can and um and yeah i i I guarantee you will uh enjoy it and then the other recommendation is a bit of a different one it's recommending a film score uh, which has just shown up on streaming services it's um for the film in fabric which uh i saw (gasps) it um uh, saw it myth last year um and it's that's a my Strickland first film. being able to go back to the movies like i tried to book in on monday night to see that when cinema's open again oh right so it's actually in um cinemas now um, yeah it's at nova ah cool great well the um the soundtrack is um it's by a group called cavern of antimatter who is um uh, made up of members of stereo lab and um, I think they've done a couple of records, cool. but it's super, um, uh, I mean, it's, it sounds silly to say this about a, a score, but it's atmospheric. It's really spooky. It's um, kind of got a real 70s vibe, which the film does as well. Um, and uh, it's just only just shown up on um, your, you know, all your streaming services, your Spotify's, etc. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I really love it. I listen to it um, while I'm working all the time. Um, so, mm. uh, so those are my two uh, two little recommendations. Um, and uh, and yeah, so um, 
were who would like to go next? Alex, do you want to go next? Okay. All right. Um, so, I, I mean, I think what triggered me to rewatch this documentary, as I mentioned uh, in our last episode with Penny Modra, um, I, and as Mike alluded to, I've been really struggling to watch narrative films for some reason. So, but somehow documentaries are less challenging. I don't know why that is, but a feature documentary somehow easier to watch. I can't explain it, but it is, it is, uh, the, the, the true facts of my situation at the moment. (laughs) And I was walking through, so I work, I work at a hairdressing school and we have a salon in, in, at the bottom of our building and I was walking through and I was just like suddenly struck by the music that was playing and it turned out it was Golden by Harry Styles so (gasps) from his latest album Fine Line which oh yeah Fine Line right yeah I'd heard I'd heard (laughs) the first single and I really really liked it but Mm -hmm. this just felt I hadn't listened to the full album and this song just felt like a real moment of growth or something for him to me it felt like the kind of pop music like it yeah it just had more of a just a very like retro pop feel like almost like a rejected Elton John song or something like that Mm -hmm. that I just really enjoyed anyway it reminded me of a documentary that um and I'm not just doing this to pander to the fact that we have Brody here this is genuinely what happened to me (laughs) Um, it reminded me of regardless. Yeah. 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 You like to be, you take the pandering anyway. Um, it reminded me of an excellent, excellent documentary that I saw not last myth, but the myth before, which was, I used to be normal, a boy band fangirl story by Jessica Lesky. And I rewatched that recently. And yeah, it is just like, like I was talking, I was talking about last week, uh, last time, the You Don't Know Me, which was an investigation of the fandom surrounding the movie Showgirls. And it's like uh, being taken back into the culture and reappraised and the people who love that movie and how they celebrate it. And like, almost like an ethnographic kind of look at the people who have made that film their own and champion it. And I think there's a, a bit of that in, in this, in this documentary as well. It's like, um, but, but more sympathetic, I think. So it really takes the side of the people it interviews about their experiences with boy band fandom. So it has four mm-hmm. in, main interview subjects, um, and really explores their, their relationship to the band over the years, you know, gets them to discuss how they first got into the music and, and what that looked like, their fandom, how it felt, their fantasy life, you know, what what it felt like it was fulfilling for them emotionally to, to worship these boys. Um, and then takes you through, uh, because it has one young participant who's a teenager and kind of follows her journey of being a One Direction fan um, and graduating high school and what it, what everything means to her. Um, from being like maybe 16, I think, to being turning 18. But it also has older fans. So it has uh, a fan of Take That, who was very into them as a teen, a fan of the Beatles, who was really into them as a teen, um, and a fan of uh, the Backstreet Boys, um, who was, yeah, so all contemporary of of their big moments. Um, but how that fandom has evolved over the years for them, how it still plays a really important and central role in their lives as adults. And you kind of, I guess you kind of leave the film hoping that that 
One Direction Fantine's going to come back to One Direction because she's sort of at the end, she's like, oh, I'm into jazz now. I really love Ella Fitzgerald. And you're yeah. like, as much as you like, <laughs> that's great. I'm glad you're expanding your horizons. I also hope that your sweet, open heart will return mm-hmm. to what One Direction meant to you when you mm. were just kind of coming of age. Um, and it's just so, like I say, it, it knows when to make jokes about how silly fandom can make us, but it doesn't do it in a way that the participants are not also in on the joke. Like they are saying, yeah, boy, I used to have this fantasy about Nick Carter teaching me to swim. And that was like something I thought about for hours and just that was like my dream. But like we're not laughing at her, we're laughing with her. And Mm -hmm. it's the same with all the participants. It's really humane and touching. You will cry, you will laugh. It's just very an easy watch and um, just gives the the time and attention and respect that young female fans of music deserve. And it's it doesn't Mm -hmm. pull its punches in saying that, you know, that this is a feminist issue in a way. Um, and yeah, it's just a, it's a great watch and Brody's in at the end bopping along to One Direction as well. So, um, very cute. Oh, you're you got, Brody. Yeah, yeah before got, they narrowed it down. For it. But yeah, before they narrowed it down to the four key participants, I was, uh, I was one of many subjects oh, <laughs> interviewed for that movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's yeah. great. I, 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 I kind of wish that they'd incorporated because you can see there's a whole range of other people that they interviewed. Yeah. And it would have been, as much as I love the four main choices, I think it could, that yeah, Jess Lesky could have like maybe woven you guys in as well. Maybe it would have been too hard, but yeah, mm. it was, it's yeah, gorgeous to watch. And so is this, a, yeah. is this a, an Australian documentary or is it? Um... Yeah. Yeah. So it was funded by Screen Victoria in the main, I'm pretty sure. But some of the participants are from the States. So Mm. um, two of the interview subjects, one is the the One Direction fan, the younger girl, um, her family immigrated to the States from Turkey. And the girl who is a big fan of the Backstreet Boys, her family immigrated from Pakistan. So it's that also provides a really interesting look at, you know, how um, like a first gen kid is experiencing this, very seemingly like Euro-American phenomenon and how their parents and family cope with it and how disappointing Mm. they find it and bamboozling. Um, Yeah. A phenomenon that's grounded in like, like physical adoration and like lust as well. Yeah. And, and so the, the girl from Pakistan, her family are Muslim and she's trying to be a good Muslim daughter while also wanting to bone Nick Carter. So, you know, that is obviously a tension that's explored. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's just, it's really touching. Like I said, you will a hundred percent cry. Even you might, yeah. I think you'll cry if you watch this movie. Yeah. Even a hard-hearted bastard like me. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and where, uh, is it easily watchable? Yes. Now? So it is. I found it online. It's actually, I just signed up for a doc play subscription, um, oh, okay. a free month trial. You can get it there. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll link to that in cool. the uh, show notes. Awesome. Well, Brody, you, uh, you've got some recommendations for us. Yeah, I was I was just thinking as you guys were talking because I came in with like one movie recommendation, but now I want to fly through like two quick ones first. Mm-hmm. And one is just the more in the generally the band 
US girls. Um, oh. I was listening to, I mean, they're just, they've been around for ages. I just, I've always like kind of dipped in and out, but just recently I've been kind of like playing them nonstop, especially Alex, you will appreciate this. I think Yes. I was listening to triple R one morning and was kind of like standing in my bathroom waiting for the hot water to come on as is my oh, hobby gosh. lately. But, um, uh, my friend Sarah, who hosts Breakfasters on Triple R, was playing a song and I didn't hear the intro. And I was listening to it being like, this is the best, most underrated Kylie Minogue song I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? And I was standing there Googling like lyrics, Kylie Minogue, Pearly Gates. And I was like, oh, I can't find anything. And it's by the band US Girls, US Girls, that's why. Um, and I texted Sarah afterwards and she was like, that's the that's the song Kylie never wrote. Like, that's the sound of the um, US Girls singer Meg um, Remy's voice is just, it's so, it's so Kylie at her kind of grittiest. Um, and her songwriting's incredible. Um yeah, so anyway, like I'm almost like recommending that one song, but the band in general. Um, I've already I, Googled it since you started talking because I am yes. not cool enough to know Such a about a Toronto-based experimental pop project, but I'm finding yeah. out now. They're, um, they've done a couple of those KCRW like live sessions where they talk through like the meaning behind the songs as well, which is like so incredible. Like they're so dense and she's writing pop songs about like really um, – really kind of non-pop subject matter. Um, my other thing that I have recently consumed is uh, I reread all of Saga um, because I was a couple of, I hadn't read the last issue or two before it went on hiatus and um, uh, Kane Porkchop Daniel, friend of the pod, um, <laughs> friend of originally the loaned me the copies like years ago. And I read them and loved them and then bought them all myself and kind of just always intended to go back to them and never did. And he was listening to the Binge Mode podcast, which I really love and was a real companion to um, watching Game of Thrones and reading Harry Potter. They've recently done like a Star Wars deep dive and they were interviewing Jason Manzukas early in isolation and he was just talking about everything that he's reading and watching and listening to and he's such a consumer of things and a f like a professional fan almost and they got talking about saga and it made me want to go back and read them and now binge mode are doing a couple of like special episodes where they pull apart the story of saga so um saga the kind of like dense space opera comic book series by yeah. brian k vaughan that i'm sure people are with, with the, with the greatest first panel oh, <laughs> incredible and now that i'm up to the where where book nine ends it's like also the most beautiful end panels as well it's it i just forgot how much it fucking kills me like it rips your heart out um, so they're two quick recommendations, but the main one that I, um, intended to share was, um, last night I watched for the first time in years and years, the Nicole Hollow Center film Friends with Money, um, from 2006. It's just like the cast is kind of unbeatable. It's like four, it's centered around four old friends. Um, and it's Catherine Keener, Francis McDormand, Jennifer Aniston and Joan Cusack. Um, and Jennifer Aniston is kind of their like deadbeat stoner friend and all the other like 
Catherine Keener's a big time screenwriter with her husband. Um, uh, Joan Cusack uh, has money for some reason and her husband kind of like really enjoys spending her money. And Catherine Keener's husband is like really kind of cruel and uncaring, um, but their careers are very tied up in each other. And Frances McDormand is a fashion designer who's going through this true like mental break in the film and her husband, everyone thinks is gay. Um, and yeah, uh, it's just, it's this really incredible story of like, it's that, it's that classic thing of like, if we met today, would we be friends? Um, Uh, and you know, Jennifer Aniston's character is kind of in this really vulnerable position of she quit her job as a teacher. She's working as a house cleaner. Her very wealthy friends are, you know, they want to go to dinner at like benefits that cost $10,000 a plate. And they, you know, want to give her clothes and recommend her to their, their other rich friends whose houses she starts cleaning. Like, it's just this really wonderful look at like friendship and status and, money, which is like such an interesting topic for, um, a film, which like all Nicole Holof Center films, I think are very hard to categorize. Like Stan had this on under rom-com, which I don't think it fits into (laughs) because there's really nothing romantic about this film. Um, and it's funny in parts, but it's also like, you know, it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, and just Nicole Hollison is such a wonderful screenwriter. Um, and it made me, uh, re furious at myself for maybe like eight or nine years ago, loaning all of my Nicole Hollison films DVDs to someone. Um, and I don't know who, and so I can't get them back, but, um, you know, she had this film called lovely and amazing, um, which had like Emily Mortimer in it. And, um, you know, I found that for like $5 at a newsagent in Coburg in like 2010. I'm never going to find that again. And I've given it away to someone. Um, and now I want to find Please Give on a streaming service or unearth that somewhere else, um, which was another Catherine Keener led film about she played a woman who owns like a kind of mid-century vintage furniture store where she's selling stuff for like exorbitant amounts of amounts of money. Um and she's like getting the furniture from like the estates of dead people who don't know what kind of wealth they're sitting on. Um, her husband is played by Oliver Platt, who's just like so great. It's just like the casting is perfect. The writing's perfect. It's just she, Nicole Hall makes like really actor movies, which I love. What's, uh, what's a more recent film of hers because I know I know the name yeah you definitely know the name she did uh, her last movie was Enough Said which was James Gandolfini's last film I love that movie Julia Louis-Dreyfus yeah that was brilliant since then she's just done a lot of TV she's done like Parks and Rec some Oranges the New Black like she's done good shows like you know Togetherness Six Feet Under Gilmore Girls the Sex and the City episode Are We Sluts from 2000 the year 2000 anyway <laughs> yeah I, I, I watched um i watched enough said and uh, i mean um you know valet james gandolfini but the the performances between him and julia louis dreyfus i've never yeah. like it's it's very rare to see a couple so naturalistic like it was just you just yeah. believed it you know, yeah. um, I really love that movie. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about like, I want to go back and watch, um, more of Lynn Shelton's film since 
obviously she passed away pretty recently and thinking about how much of like a an actor's director she was and I think Nicole Holofsen kind of sits in the same category where um, it's not about like you know the big big dramatic moments or big set pieces or big budgets or anything it's about like drawing like really human performances out of like the most incredible actors you've ever seen yeah absolutely yeah, just like some some white people problems mm-hmm. <laughs> is the is a lot of these films. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant! Well, um, hopefully uh, that gives uh, the folks listening out there some uh, some things to look at. Obviously, we'll have all the links in the in the show notes and where you can find said films and uh, and other general recommendations. Um, Brody, thank you so much for joining us. It's thank you. Uh, lovely to see your face, even if it's only over Zoom. Um, <laughs> uh, I very much look forward to getting back into the the uh, the recording studio and eating pizzas. And uh, oh my god, the least socially things. distanced space on earth oh is that studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, that's going to be uh, it's going to be a while before we get back in the. Hot I don't box, think it's but, one uh, meter wide. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, just but, go in uh, one at a time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, um, so yeah, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Al. Great to see you uh, as always. Um, we, we we were supposed to have Seb, but he uh, he got the wrong day, and he's at the park. Uh, um, I assume probably just, you know, on a swing, um, just, uh, having a him. lovely time. Um, but, uh, but we'll, we'll hopefully, um, have him back very soon and we will be back in your feed very soon, uh, with some maybe more recommendations or maybe like an old school episode. Who knows? Who knows what can happen, uh, in these quasi times? Um, so, uh, yes, lovely to see you all. And we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.